Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith, and we are on episode 152, Exercising Wisdom in Leadership Challenges. So welcome aboard for this week's journey through another text of God's Word. One of the challenges, probably one of the greatest challenges I have, not only in preparing this podcast, but in preparing my Sunday school lessons, preparing blog posts, whatever it may be, whenever I approach scripture, is figuring out where God wants me to grab hold of the handle. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by that. God's word is God's word. And when it was written to the first receivers of the message, they received it in a certain way. It was written for them. But it is also written for us in this modern world. So whatever the story may be, let's say the story of what, what's usually called the story of the prodigal son, which is really more about the gracious father. But in that story, there are multiple handles to grab hold of. The primary handle is the graciousness and the forgiveness of the father. But the majority of time, the handle that the majority of speakers grab hold of is the part about the prodigal son coming home. It's not that that is wrong. It's not that there's a, it has to be this certain way. It's God works through his word. God's word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And the thing is, you can read the same text of scripture from now until the rapture. And if you ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate your mind and heart, you can get multiple applications. But the original meaning is the same. The meaning does not change, but the applications can be different in different seasons of life. The text that we are on for this week is 1 Samuel 30, 9 through 31. And I'm going to give you the background of the last couple of weeks because that does play in to where God is taking me. I'll be honest with you. When I began approaching this text, which was probably two to three weeks ago when I was looking at it coming down the pike, I would have never dreamed the handle that God would have had me grab. I, never. I, I, I just wouldn't. There's one handle. As we read through the text, some of you will have heard sermons or podcasts or lessons on one particular part of this text. That's going to be included, but that is not the main emphasis on this week. We are talking about exercising wisdom in leadership challenges, and we are going to be focusing on David and how David handles some very difficult periods in his leadership. And I shake my head because only God, only God would bring me to the place where I am going into this text. So a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about dealing with disappointment and David. So David has been living. This is David, the future king of Israel, 
who has been on the run for, I think, about 10 years at this time from mentally ill King Saul. And so David has has been hiding out in Philistine territory. He's been hiding out in the enemy territory for many years now. And he has gotten the respect of the king of Philistia. And the king wants to take David and his 600 mighty men into battle with him on his side against the Israelites. And David's like, he is all for it. And the other commanders say, you're crazy. Like, he's going to turn the tide on us, and this is not a good idea. So David and his men are all prepped for the big game, so to speak, and they don't get to play. And so we talked that week about dealing with disappointment. So many times in our lives, we're going to be prepped up and ready and think that we are going to be playing in the big game, or we're going to get that big promotion, or we're going to have that relationship that's just going to be wonderful. And it doesn't come through. I want you to think about that. So set that in mind. And then last week we took it to, that was in 1 Samuel 29. And then last week we talked about the first eight verses of 1 Samuel 30 which in that I had talked about the fact that yes, David and his men were very disappointed. But the thing is, if they had gone into battle with Israel on behalf of Philistia, there are a few things that could have gone wrong. But there's one particular situation that by the time David and his men came back, and this is after being benched, so to speak, and not being able to go and fight, they find that the Amalekites, again, other enemies, have come in and raided and taken everything that they had as well as the women and children. So last week we talked about the depth of grief and just the emotion and how challenging it was. And in the midst of that, some of them just wanted to take David out. Not that David caused the Amalekites to do what they did, but in the midst of grief, people do some outrageous things sometimes because their emotions are just overwhelmed. And you've got to remember that David was not outside of that. David also had two wives, which that's his own fault, two wives and children that were missing and all of his stuff. So David was not only handling leadership, but he also was handling loss at the same time. Where we grabbed hold of last week, where our handle was, was the fact that in the midst of this challenge, it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. And I do suggest you go back and listen to that story. And so in the midst of this, he asked the Lord, should I chase after the band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord says, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And so that sets the stage for 9 through 31 that we're going to go through this week. But I also want to use what we learned from those two lessons and kind of grab hold of the handle as we look at David and his leadership in those verses as well. So I want you to think about the areas of your life where you have leadership roles. And you may be tempted, as so many are, to say, well, I'm not a leader anywhere. 
Well, if you are a Christ follower, you are called to be a leader wherever you are, whether it be in your home, whether it be in your church, whether it be in your job, whether it be in school, wherever it is. And whether you are 15 or whether you are 50 or whether you are 98, you are still called to be a leader. So now, where are your areas of leadership? Or where are the areas of leadership that you need to take? That doesn't mean to lord it over people. That doesn't mean to be power hungry. That means to step up and step out and honor God in those areas. With that said, I want you to think about the challenges of leadership. It may be challenges because of your age. You may be a young person and stepping out in a leadership role, sometimes people don't take you seriously. That happens. It does. It may be that you are a senior adult and people don't take you take you seriously because you are a senior adult. And there are so many other challenges that come with leadership. So I want us to think back to two weeks ago. First, the first challenge to David was he had a leadership challenge of the disappointment of his 600 men, as well as his own personal disappointment. So David's first challenge in this kind of multi-part story was the fact that David was dealing with personal disappointment, but at that same time, he had to help his men. And in his case, it was all men. But in our situation, it may be young people. It may be men, women. It could be a combination. But whoever it is that's in your tribe, you're going to have to help them deal with disappointment. Sometimes it's going to be personal disappointment. They've got a situation at home where they are overwhelmed. Things did not turn out the way they wanted. Or it may be a disappointment at work where they didn't get what they had been expecting. And you, as a leader, helping them to deal with that disappointment and helping them to use that disappointment as fuel to help them to move forward. David and his men are all dealing with the disappointment. He's disappointed because he wanted to lead them into battle against Saul and the Israelites. I think he somehow or another forgot that his best friend Jonathan was in the midst, but oh well, we can't go there. But leading during times of disappointment, disappointment for those you are working to lead, as well as your own personal disappointment. Then last week, leading during times of grief. I mean, David is beside himself. It says that he wept until, it says all of them wept until they could weep no more. And that included David. So his heart was broken. He was crushed. So not only were they disappointed, but then as soon as they get home and they quit fussing, because as soon as they come into camp, they're overwhelmed by the just the savagery that everything is gone. I didn't plan to bring this up, but it's just what came to mind. And so it comes flying out of my mouth. So the show, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, there was a, a part about American Indians um, often in the show. And there's one particular time where they come back into the area where the Indians who were their friends should have been and they had been raided 
and many of them killed. And God just flashed me to that. And just the emotion of that particular episode, David and his men were dealing with the grief. They were dealing with anger. They were dealing with rage. Uh, They were dealing with lostness. They were dealing with so many emotions. And David, in the midst of that, the only reason he was able to lead them forward in the midst of having a broken heart was because he found strength in the Lord. And that sets us up for the next challenge. Well, the next set of challenges in David's leadership. So he, when he felt that challenge, when he was struggling, he was disappointed. He was grief stricken. He found strength in the Lord is God. And in the midst of the next challenge, He reached out to God and asked for guidance. That's always the right thing to do. Always, always, always. No matter the challenges that you are facing as a leader, you need to stay plugged in with the vine, so to speak. You need to keep that communication going. You need to get wisdom. Proverbs 4, 6 through 7. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Throughout this time, and this is not always in David's leadership, but throughout this particular set of scriptures, we see David making wise choices. Yay! It's nice to be able to follow someone's leadership when they're doing the right thing. We learned from Saul when he was doing the wrong thing. You can learn from different leadership styles and leadership situations. But in this case today, we see David doing very well. Even though he is human and his emotions are stirred up and he could easily be not thinking, not thinking about God. Instead, he focuses on God. He asks for wisdom as to what direction to turn and what direction to lead his men. So verse nine, so David and his 600 men set out. They came to the brook Bezor, but 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. We are coming back to this because that's the first two of our focal verses. And this story may sound a little more familiar now, because again, this is the part when it comes to the 200 men staying behind because they're exhausted. And then the 400 going forward, this is where many people have grabbed hold of. That's been their handle. Okay, 11. Along the way, they found an Egyptian male in a field and brought him to David. They gave him some bread to eat and water to drink. They also gave him part of a fig cake and two clusters of raisins, for he hadn't had anything to eat or drink for three days or nights. Before long, his strength returned. To whom do you belong? Where do you come from? David asked him. I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. He replied, my master abandoned me three days ago before, because I was sick. We were on our way back from raiding the Carathites in the Negev, the territory of Judah and the land of Caleb, and we had just burned Ziklag. Oh my. So what this young man has just, has just confessed to is as being a part of the raiding party that had burned Ziklag, which was where David and his men and their wives and children were camping out, of being a part of the raiding party. So in the midst of this moment, 
David could have just taken him out. David could have been so filled with rage that he just took him out. But instead, David is thinking clearly, even in the midst of all the emotion, he's making wise decisions. 15, will you lead me to this band of raiders? David asked. The young man replied, if you take an oath in God's name, you will not kill me or give me back to my master. Then I will guide you to them. So, you know, when we are going through emotional times in our personal life or in our work life or school life or team life for that matter, we can make unwise decisions. We can jump in. But David stood back enough and was able to think clear enough to use the situation to his advantage, not to just automatically take out this young man, but to use him as a tool. 16. So he led David to them. They found the Amalekites spread out across the fields, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout that night and entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. David got back everything the Amalekites had taken and he rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He also recovered all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock. This plunder belongs to David, they said. Which really and truly, it doesn't belong to David. It belonged to the Lord. Who won this battle? It was God. God had already told him, I've got this. Just just go forward. I've got you taken care of. Obviously, God had taken care of women, children, and all of their stuff, while David and his men were off doing what they thought they were supposed to do. David was wise enough to realize that this was God's battle. Now, he doesn't always think that way. He doesn't always get that he needs to be plugged into God and he needs to make choices based upon what God wants what is important to God. But on this day, it was a good day. So verse 21. So this next part goes back in with our 200 people who stayed behind. Verse 21, then David returned to the brook Bezor and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with them. They went out to meet David and his men and David greeted them joyfully. But some evil troublemakers among David's men, said they didn't go with us so they can't have any of the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and children and tell them to be gone. 23, but David said, no, my brothers, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe and helped us defeat the band of raiders that attacked us. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike, those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment. From then on, David made this a decree and a regulation for Israel, and it is still followed today. There's a lot in this part. A lot. So I want you to think about the first wise choice that David made when he had 200 men who were exhausted. Should he have made them go on ahead even though they physically had nothing left? What would that have done? I mean... It would have slowed down the 400 that were still up and ready to go. So he used wisdom 
in working with what he had, not trying to make them into what they weren't. Next, with the 200, they were able to leave behind the equipment that they didn't need to take with them. So the 400, well, really, it's not the whole 400. It's the troublemakers in the midst of the 400. But those 200 staying behind ended up working out because the 400 were then able to not have to worry about taking along with them everything that they had already carried in when they thought they were fighting the Philistines. But it was safely guarded, and they were able to focus and do what was necessary. So David, he's being wise with what he's got. When you're in a leadership role, you don't always get to pick those who are under you. Now, you you may. You may have that opportunity, but you don't always. And he's working with what he's got because you've got to remember these 600 men are loyal to him. He was out hiding from Saul in a cave and they came his way and then more came their way. They were the motley crew of David. And what we don't know is we don't know the names of which ones went ahead and which ones stayed behind. Late, late in David's um, reign, we're going to see, which will probably be a couple of years from now, but we will see David's mighty men and then his really his inner circle. We don't know which of them might have been in that 200 because maybe, maybe in the midst of the grief and everything else that went along with it, they may have been part of those who stayed behind. And yet they had won many battles for David over the years. You don't know how this all plays out. And I couldn't help but think about a basketball game. So I played high school basketball. Now, I am short. Like, that is a fact. Vertically challenged, uh, definitely. But I had a decent shot. And yesterday, my home team was having an alumni day. So I've been thinking a lot about basketball and just lessons from that time. And I really thought about if you've got a team. So if you don't know anything about basketball, you play five players at a time. And you don't play the same five players throughout the game unless you just don't have anybody on the bench. What you do is you rotate them in. And the ones who end the game aren't necessarily the ones who start the game. There are reasons for that. They may be better at one particular, like shooting free throws in the last minute, or they may have fouled out. Uh, In other words, they got too many violations and they've had to sit down or They may have given everything they had and the coach looks and goes, I need to put in a fresh person here to finish this out. But when the game is over, they don't award the trophy or the win just to the five people who are out on the floor. It doesn't work that way. But that seems to be what these troublemakers want David to do. And David just shuts them down immediately. One of the challenges of leadership is people thinking that your decisions are unfair. Like that's going to happen. You cannot possibly please everyone. If you do please every human, you're not going to please God because there's no way. As well as one of the challenges of leadership is you are going to deal with people who stir the pot. 
In other words, the troublemakers, you are going to deal with them. And you are going to need godly wisdom in order to deal with them. They come up. They, you may not realize that they're there. You may think that they're on your side, and yet they're plotting in the background. And just at the time you least anticipate it, here they come. You need godly wisdom to be able to handle the calls that this is unfair the troublemakers who are out to get you or out to get somebody else or out to get more than they deserve. And, and David in the midst of this, he's like, this is God's like, this is, this is not yours. And I'm going to give this out. I'm going to spread this out between all of us. And, and then David takes it even one step further, which I think is very interesting. And you probably have never heard a sermon preached on that part. 26, when he arrived at Ziklag, which again is the place that had been burned up by the Amalekites, David sent part of the plunder to the elders of Judah who were his friends. Here is a present for you taken from the Lord's enemies. Now, that phrase, it's only one sentence, um, And it goes into more detail in 27, 28, 29, and 31. It goes into more specifics. But the whole idea that some of them were complaining because he was going to give some of the spoils to the 200 who who stayed behind and didn't go into that battle, what in the world would they have said about these gifts that David was giving to his friends, the elders of Judah? We don't know. It's not in the scripture text, but if they knew it, they probably weren't happy. What in the world was David doing? Like, it it seems just really out of the box when you look at this and you see that David's been in Philistine territory for so long, but you've got to go back and think about where David and his 600 men and his family were hiding out. They were hiding out in the area of Judah until he slipped into Philistine territory. So he's got people who were hiding him and hiding him at the risk of their life, at the risk of their family's lives, because if Saul had known, Saul would have killed them. David did not forget. In the midst of leadership, you need to remember those who helped you get to where you are. Like fact of life, you need to stop sometimes and say thank you. You need to, it may be a thank you card. It probably is not going to be plunder, but a thank you card that says, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for the trust you placed in me. I was listening to a podcast this morning that I've heard before, but there was something that struck me in the midst of it. So it was a ministry leader and she was talking about just how the pastor of her church had been so gracious about empowering other leaders. It wasn't concerned about having the biggest platform in the world for himself. He was growing the kingdom of God. And I thought about, I thought about my pastor and some of you on this, this podcast may 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 know me from that period of time, but I thought about the pastor of my youth. 
I think I was under his leadership for like 23 years and was not in the church, but in the area for the other two. And the opportunities he gave me that were kind of really unexpected as I look back on it. And uh, I need to stop. And I need to say thank you. I need to, to take some time and just thank him for the investment he placed in me because I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the trust he placed in me and the opportunities that he provided to me. David, David didn't forget, even though it had been many years and he had run many miles from Saul, he didn't forget and said, thank you. Now, some would automatically say that David was also preparing for the future. And I'm not going to say that he wasn't. And very soon, probably in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about how this does kind of work toward his future, how his past connects to his future. I don't know. I don't know if he had a hidden agenda. If so, that is not godly leadership. That's the world. But saying thank you, I think that's that's a model we all need to follow. So the weekly assignment feature is in which area of leadership do you struggle the most? It may be with handling conflict. You just hate dealing with conflict. I'm right there with you. Don't like it at all. It may be setting a vision. It may be that you would just like to leave things the way they are and you are not good at setting a vision for yourself and others. There are so many different things that can be challenges in our leadership roles. It may be that you really struggle to lead when your emotions are tied up, whether it's with personal situations or it's with professional. Whatever it may be, my my challenge to you is to pray specifically for divine wisdom and discernment. We are called to lead. We are called to lead with godly wisdom. We are called to lead in a godly way, and we are called to point others to Christ. Are you doing that? What can you learn from David in this challenging situation where he's got people saying, this is unfair, you need to do this? David in his grief, David in his disappointment, David looking back. What can you use from this text to help you be a better godly leader. So I want to, I want to kind of end with two or three points of tidying up. So 
thank you for everybody who's been reaching out to me over the last few weeks. It has been such an incredible encouragement, whether you reached out to me via email, via text, via whatever it was. I thank you so very much because you have no idea when you talk on a podcast, you do not know who is on the other end. And you don't even know if there is anybody on the other end. You just pour out and you are trusting that God is going to place people in front of their phones, in front of their computers, and God is going to use the message that he has poured in and through you. But it is so encouraging when I hear from you as a listener as a participant, and you say that this is making a difference. Thank you so very much. So one of the people who reached out to me brought up a point that I did not realize. So for those of you who haven't been listening for very long, this podcast for the first 50 episodes, I had forgotten exactly how many, but the first 50 episodes, it was entitled A Country Girl in a City World Loving Jesus. Because that's who I am. Like that is who I am. And I changed the name to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. And when I did, it seems to have misrouted like the Apple feed and different things like that. So in the show notes below, I have a link to what I'm calling the hidden episodes. And do know that those beginning ones were not only raw emotionally, they were just raw, like There's no intro music that that didn't happen to like episode a hundred. Like I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just doing what God told me to do, but you can find the link to the hidden episodes down below. So if you want to reach out to me, if you want to ask me questions, if you want me to pray about something, please reach out at encouraging others in loving Jesus at gmail.com. It just makes my day. It just makes my day to kind of see what God is doing. And uh, I mentioned a few months ago that I planned to start a website backup. So I had a blog before and I kind of tabled that for a while. And I've been waiting, trying to figure out exactly what direction to go. And I think I have figured out where I'm going to land. And so, Lord willing, in the next few weeks, maybe at least by episode 175, we will have a new website. But you can go to my Podbean site, uh, which you will find at that hidden episodes. You can go to my Podbean site and all of the episodes are there. On the new website, though, it will have my blog post, which are my Sunday school emails that have been placed on the blog as well as the podcast episode. So just, uh, just I ask you, if you're a praying person, you know, pray that I, I work out those details so that I can get that out there for the public. I'm also considering uh, Podbean has a paid section. Now, what you're listening to right now, that is not going to be, there's not going to be any charge. That's not going to happen. But I may have a subscription section where you can subscribe, and with that, it will give you some additional content. I don't know if I'll go over a different book of the Bible. I don't know if I'll go over some particular study. I don't know. I haven't figured that out, so praying for that would be a good thing. 
you know, as you go into whatever part of your week, like I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon, so I'm about to go into a new week, but you may be listening to this on a Friday night, wherever you are in your week. I pray that you ask God to show you where are your leadership positions? Where does he want you to step up and be a leader? And ask for divine wisdom and discernment because you can make a world of difference in the lives of those that you lead. Look at David. Look at how he handled this challenging time in his men's lives. And as a result, they continue to follow him into the next season of his life. A much brighter season, but still a challenging season as he moves toward the fulfillment of that promise that he will be the next king of Israel. So as I close out today, remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day. (laughs) 